Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. This is your host, Hector Santhia Esteban. We have a very special guest today, Mr. Rob Conlin. He's the founder of Westport Studios. Well, we'll get into his story. Maybe we'll get into some tech. We'll get into some equipment. But more importantly, I think we're just going to talk about how to succeed and, and make it you know, as a podcaster. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, Hector. And I know this is a, a wonderful little culmination of, you know, meeting on LinkedIn and, you know, hey, what's better to build a relationship than doing something like this, right? <laughs> well, what's really interesting is that you and me essentially do the same thing. In in most cases, people would look at us as competitors. And I both, I know that you had mentioned on LinkedIn that you see it as, as a collaboration. I came from the sales world where it was a very dog eat dog kind of thing where it was, here's what's mine and that's what's yours. And anything that I get is going to come at your expense and anything that you get comes at my expense. And and I've just found that, A, that's not a very uh, happy place to live, but especially with podcasting specifically, both with shows and then as I've seen also in the industry, you know, the, the ability to collaborate with other people is really the way to success. And so when you said that, I was like, you know, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. Definitely. And, you know, it's that we come from even the same background uh, as well. You know, that sales thing that you keep what you kill, that kind of, you know, that's your dinner. You know, looking at this, I always tell people the podcast environment is a buffet right now, and there is plenty for everybody to eat. You know, all of us can go up and fill our plates to bursting at the buffet of helping people with their shows and with their uh, their content creation. And and you can go back for seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths. You can, you know, so you roll out the door uh, in this case. But I think that that really is one of those things that is wonderful about this industry is it's much more almost it's almost team based versus like individual base. And I really like that about what's going on there. And I see that being much more helpful as the future, you know, kind of shapes up into 2024. And, you know, kind of the second year of the podcast shows up because that was actually this year. You got into podcasting, you know, similar to me, I see podcasting as a as a, a medium, as an opportunity to share a message, you know, I'm, but the editing and the, maybe even the tech side is definitely not something that I, I don't come from that space. I'm, I'm, I'm a marketer before I'm a podcaster. I'm a, I'm a creator even before I'm a podcaster. And, and I say that, you know, with like full transparency for all the zealots out there, right. Who are very you know, defined about what podcasting is and isn't, but you also had a, had an interesting story Take us into into your world and kind of how you ended up, you know, producing now over 3000 episodes for the shows that you guys are working on. Yeah. So my first episode of a show was made out of frustration and some tears and some just really it was it came from a pretty dark place. Honestly, uh, back in 2019, I had been unemployed for almost nine months at that point in time. And I was ranting down in my kitchen to my other half who, who takes, takes very good care of me. And my dad, she <laughs> listens to and puts up with some of these things sometimes. And I said, I can't find a position. And this is driving me crazy because job hunting is awful. It really is. No matter what, uh, what anybody says, job hunting is a full-time job and it's an awful thing too. The thing I said in the kitchen, gosh, I wish somebody would make a lesson on this. Like, like, what about a podcast? That would be great, wouldn't it, Katie? My wife. <laughs> wouldn't it be great if somebody made a podcast about this? And then this like, light flickered on in my head. And I went, oh, wait, I could probably do that. So <laughs> what I did was I made my first show, Recruiting Hell. It is still out there. It is still up. I actually just yesterday uh, referred some of the later episodes to other folks who are looking uh, for jobs. But that's how I got into it, making it myself. The early episodes are when you do something 3,000 times, times one through, I don't know, 1,000. Sound 
dramatically different than times 2000, two or three, yeah, 3000. So that's how I got into it. But eventually I got hired by a major podcast agency because I said, oh, you do this already. We probably don't really need to train you. I also have a degree in broadcast communication. So that's kind of like all those ducks in a row. Worked for that agency for uh, roughly 14 or 15 months. They had some major issues with, uh, let's just say 10 of us got fired in one day for not much of a reason. And that was a lot of fun. But when the dust settled from that, that evening, I said to myself, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. And so the next morning I decided that, you know, Westport Studios was a thing. And funny side note on that was I'm, you know, setting up a website, grabbing a domain name, doing all these things. And my phone rings and it's one of my old customers from my previous agency. And I go, Oh crap, he's probably looking for some help. I don't work there anymore. How do I how do I navigate this? So I pick it up and I go, JR, what's going on? And he goes, Rabba, it's my understanding you don't work for that agency anymore. And my team is telling me we need to move our podcast to you pronto. And I'm like, oh, uh, excuse me? And so he says, uh, what's it gonna cost? I almost said back to him, JR, I've been in business for like three hours. I, I don't know what it costs in this case. But he eventually, I threw out a number. He said, that's fantastic. We'll see you April 1st. And I had had a side hustle at that time too that was also bringing in some money. And so by the end of that phone call, I had $4,000 in MRR. And I went, huh, we might actually be able to make this happen. The humbling thing of that is that within six months, Every single one of my former accounts from my old company had moved their show to me and 85 or 87% of them are still here, which is awesome. So that's how I got into this. And uh, we've been producing shows for uh, a variety of niches ever since uh, the one I didn't think I'd get into higher education. Yeah, there's a podcast for everything, right? As there should be. And I, th I think that's actually probably something that's worth talking about because I'm sure in what you're doing, you know, a lot of it, I don't know how much of it is convincing people that they should start a show. But I know one big hesitation that a lot of people have when they're getting into this is that there are too many podcasts out there. And that there's the market's already saturated. And there's millions of shows and yada, 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 and all this, you know, sorts of things, which which is is true. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on how that might and, and how, you know, a new show might still approach wanting to have some success in this in this new kind of landscape. Yeah, and you know, I have to politely disagree with you on that Hector. I don't think that it is overcrowded. If anything, we live in a podcast graveyard, if you will. Now, spooky season is over cuz Halloween's not happening right now, but the average podcast is dead. It doesn't make episodes anymore. Uh, it's one of those things where fresh podcasts are far smaller and I'm only accounting, I believe, for about 18 to 20% of the podcasts that are out there. Everything else is this wasteland of shows that haven't been updated in at least, I want to say that's the 90-day rolling is about 80% of shows are not updated. And even then, you know, my own show, Recruiting Hell, that first one, it's a zombie podcast, as I call them in this case. It is still able to be listened to. It's still out there, but we're not doing anything with it or anything like that. We haven't done anything with it for almost 18 months. As you say this, it's, it really, I've, I've always, and I don't know that I agree with them about, uh, you know, it being too crowded or too saturated. Yes, there are lots of podcasts, just that like there are lots of books and lots of TV shows that are out there. I, I think the difference is, is that not every single TV show along with this episodes are still up on your TV guide, right? And so if, Right. It's not in Hulu or whatever. 
Right, exactly. So, well, you know, there are some of their old shows that they've brought back, but in the sense of podcasts, the the entire graveyard is there and public for everyone to see. And so I think it gives a, a false narrative of how many shows are actually out there. I completely agree. Because if you put in something like marketing or sales, you will get thousands of shows. But if you take the time to drill into those and say, well, when was the last episode of this thing published? You might find something. I, I was uh, doing some research on something the other day. And I found that the last episode of a podcast that, that person produced was in 2020. Like that's three years ago. So much has changed. So much has changed in that time. And even when I was recommending my old content to some folks I was helping to, you know, find new opportunities in their careers yesterday, I put a big asterisk next to everything I said to them. I said, you know, I made this during the pandemic. I made this in 2020 and 2021. The data and stuff that you find here might not be 100% accurate anymore. So pinch of salt. And I think that that's one of the strengths and weaknesses of podcasting is that it sticks around, which is great. And it can be evergreen, but also it sticks around and the world changes and this doesn't. Yeah. Also, the the real value of podcasts is in the long tail. I've, I've likened it, and I, I'm curious to get your, your insights on this. I've likened it to writing a book, except the opposite. You know, when, when someone writes a book, it's, it's often done in secret. The first, it, it's a three-year process. The first year, they're writing it, maybe even just coming up with the ideas. The second year, maybe they're editing it. And then that third year, they start the promotional and, and kind of the publishing push. And so at the end of this third year, there's a big party. Everybody's, you know, celebrating. Oh my goodness, clap, clap, clap. You're number one, Amazon, whatever it is, right? All the accolades come at the end of the th- three-year mark. But but with podcasting, it's interesting because it's like the opposite. It's it's you launch a show, everybody claps, all, everybody you know, there's, there's all these, you know, get in the top charts. Oh, you started a podcast. Oh, great. Clap, clap, clap. But then there's nothing really of substance. They haven't really built an audience unless, you know, there's a huge marketing budget. And even if they did, that audience is not as, as secure as a, as a audience that has listened to you week in and week out. And so what I found is similarly that if a podcast can stick through that three year process, by the end of the third year, they've usually built up enough of that same sort of thing that happens when someone writes a good book and kind of launches it in that way. It's just, it's done in, in public. But I think that the process are just as art, arduous is an interesting word. You know, there, there are just as many challenges but I don't think that people go in realizing that the, the the fruits are actually still years down the road, just as if you were to write a book. Right. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that card, kind of front loading. I actually warn every single one of my new launch customers that their first episode will get so many more downloads than anything probably for a year. And they go, what do you mean? And I always tell them, those are the courtesy downloads. Those are the downloads that are, hey, your mom listened, all your friends on LinkedIn listened, maybe your customers listened, maybe maybe your entire team at, at your business listened, but they don't stick around because they're not a marketing director. They're not a, a sales professional. They're not a IT professional who's looking for you know something on, on the Amazon web cloud or whatever that item is that they're searching for. Again, courtesy downloads. So usually what we see is this kind of roller coaster almost of uh, when we launch a show, this wonderful spike up and then it comes smashing back down, uh, you know, to about 20 or 30% of what that spike was. So th- that, I guess, you know, we're talking about, you know, building podcasts here and things like that, Hector. The, the number one thing I would say for anybody who is launching a show is that when you launch it, 
don't be disappointed by your episode two numbers. Yeah. I remember when I launched my first show, I would check the downloads like, I don't know how many times a day, like five, 10, 15 times a day. We all did that, dude. We all did that. You know, refresh, refresh. Oh, I got another one. Oh, it went to eight. You know, oh, we're at nine. Like, and and what I what I tell people, and similarly, what I, when we're kind of working with uh, you know people who are launching a show, it's like check check your episode, your your analytics less. Like whatever less is, if you're doing it five times a day, okay, can we get you down to one? If you're doing it once a day, can we get you down to once a week? If you're doing it once a week, you probably could go doing it once every two weeks or once. Like just get to fifty. Like we're like just get to fifty. Get through the first. 50, get through the first year or six months, whatever, you know, however long it takes you. And then you can look up and, and make an assessment. You got a sample set, you've worked through it a little bit. It's like the person who, who goes and, and, and works out, you know, three times this week and then they pull up their shirt and they're like, I'm still tubby. Like what's going on? I feel totally called out by the way, just saying, I'm I'm on a big fitness journey and I do work out three times a week and I think like, oh crap, I'm still chubby. I'm only talking about myself here though, Rob. That was me. I just had to point that out because I was like, holy crap, does he know? We're we're both in that same boat, but it's an unhealthy kind of thing. And I think that also something to to note for people who are listening is that it's really hard to gauge what that even means because the depth of a download is not like a view on social media. It's not like an impression or even a like. I mean, for someone to listen to your episode, oftentimes you know the average consumption rates are 30, 45 minutes. Right? That's that is a lot of time that someone is sitting there and to only have it be to only have one download, right? To to account for that whole hour just doesn't, I don't think, weigh the it doesn't weigh it properly. No, not at all. And you know, to give you an example of that, I have a show that is in a very niche space. It's called the Higher Ed Marketer. Two great guys run it, Bar Kaler, Troy Singer, they're co-hosts. Higher education marketing is such a niche thing. And you would you would look at their download numbers and you'd be like, wow, for three years, that's kind of not the greatest because they get about 300 downloads per episode at the 90 day mark. Okay. That's a triple digit number, but for a podcast that's been around for three years, is that really something that's substantial? And I would say, yes, it is. Because if you understand anything about the higher education space, there's only 4,500 higher education institutions in the United States of America. And that number is shrinking. The, if you could have eight to 10% saturation in that industry it's fantastic especially if you're in a niche industry because these guys they just went to the ama higher ed symposium here earlier this week and people are walking up to him saying i love your podcast that is so much more valuable than having even like a five-figure download because that person that one person who comes up and says bart troy i love your podcast that guy listens every day That girl listens to your podcast on the train to work, on the way home, when she's feeding her baby, when he's in the gym, when she is uh, on a vacation, when she is climbing a mountain, whatever it might be. That depth of audience, like stickiness and grabbiness is what I truly think is the measure of success for most podcasts, especially in a niche market. We're never all going to be Joe Rogan, but if you can grab a niche audience like that higher ed marketer show has, Oh man, it is incredibly powerful because you've got all the right people who are going to be hanging on your every word as a podcaster. Yeah, I think it's that classic analogy where, you know, take the amount of downloads you get over your first week, 30, 40, 50, whatever it is. And a lot of people are disappointed in that. 
But if you were to get those people sitting in a room with you for an hour, like you had 50 people, you'd have problems. You wouldn't have enough chairs. There'd be no space. I know. I always tell people, envision those people in front of your house with signs. Like if you had 50 people like protesting in front of your house, you'd probably be calling the police, honestly. (laughs) I mean, if 50 people were standing in my driveway right now, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? And I think that, that when you get into those bigger numbers and when they have the regularity, Hector, that 300 that show up all the time, every time, that is the true engine of brand growth for you as a podcast. You work with a lot of, um, you know, businesses who are, are utilizing pop podcasts. Is my, am I, uh, correct in that kind of assumption? Yeah. Every, everybody I work with, if they don't have a podcast, they don't work with me. <laughs> what are some things let's, let's start with the, the big mistakes, or I call them like the face palm moments or, you know, the things that make you slam your, your, your palm against your head, where if you say like, if you just did this, or if we just fix this, um, that, you know, it would, it would unlock or help so many things. Are there big kind of blind spots that you see a lot of businesses who are starting podcasts uh, make? Yes. The first one is that when you make a podcast, you, you grab somebody like me or you Hector and you say, Hey, ideate this show, create some episodes, train me on how to do this, do all that. You've got a great set of building blocks there, but the one building block that I see folks forget is how they market it through their channels. I have a customer who did exactly this, and I'm so proud of them because they've been doing such a great job. But I had a, co- a conversation with him earlier this week, and my one question to him was, hey, man, I haven't seen any of the stuff we've made for you on LinkedIn. Is it going to your email list? Like, where's where's that? And he's like, oh, we really haven't done anything. And it's been the best launch we've ever had, which is absolutely wild. So I'm I'm excited for them to, you know, push the throttle forward on this with some stuff like that. But I, if I could had to do it again, the question I would ask, because I made the mistake of not making sure that I had asked that question hard enough for them to be like, okay, so what's going to be done with all this and really drilling deeper into that. Uh, I would say the, the question to ask yourself and the question to ask your team would be, how are we going to use this content right out of the gate, make it really impactful and have a plan for that for at least the first 90 days, honestly, you know, pop pop it across LinkedIn, get into your socials that you have, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Uh, It's having that plan. And so many folks don't, they they think it's, if you build it, they will come. It's not. Can we, can I double tap on, on something really quick though? Just something that we're seeing in addition with that is we had a a show that was in a small niche, but, but the, they had a, the founders and the hosts had a, a LinkedIn following. And so LinkedIn business pages with, you know, art using the article and kind of the newsletter feature really, really did, you know, they put out one episode and it was just like, we just were doing a soft launch and the whole industry kind of picked it up and and got behind it. And so it was really cool right on LinkedIn. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing too, is, you know, making sure your host is in alignment with like, Hey man, you're hosting this. Like you have to be literally there leading the charge with the flag for your show. And cause People follow people. People don't follow necessarily brands unless they get to a certain critical mass. So that's that's probably the first like rookie mistake, I'd say. And then this other one kind of almost, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily tie into it that much, but it is like the number one most common thing I ever see. And, and it always drives me bananas when I coach on this and it doesn't happen. <laughs> Opening your show without a snappy opener. 
in this case. And I, when I say snappy opener, things that are not snappy openers are tell me about yourself, a, a lengthy bio, a how are you today, things like that. Finding what that is and finding those things that sink you into the conversation as fast as possible. Uh, much like you opened this show, you know, you, a little bit about me, very little. Here's Rob. Here's what he is. Here's what he does. Let's do, let's dive in. That kind of format. So many people meander all the way to eventually. Now, after my first question, it's been five and a half minutes. I left five minutes ago because you didn't get to stuff within the first thirty seconds. I I had a a good friend of mine recently launched a show and I it, it took me and I I sat through it because because I love him and I wanted to see how long it took but it was six and a half minutes before we ever got into any sort of di- like actual you know content and uh, and that was a solo episode so I was like <laughs> you know he meandered by himself for six minutes not all those who wander are lost in this case however uh, you know I used to think that the gate was two minutes uh, for that like hey man you know here's your you know, maybe if you do a teaser, maybe you do your intro and it's 45 seconds long, and then you spend the next minute or so building that credibility. I've changed that. It's now down to one minute in this case. And then I also have a friend, uh, he's a great guy. He, he runs a YouTube channel and he and I have been working very much together over the past year to convert us here at Westport from an audio first agency to a video first agency. One of those things that he said is that you do not have the luxury of a minute when you do video first. And I said to him, Drew, how long do I have? And he said, oh, six seconds if you're lucky. And so now, and again, this is this is a growing pain that my company is going through of switching from this very television show style introduction of things. You know, I always call it the law and order method where you have the crime committed, you have the introduction, and then we write, you know, and then you cut to the police station, right? All that's got to get jumbled up. We got to cut to the police station right away, basically, and say, so-and-so has been murdered. What are we going to do about it? And I, I think that that structure, and actually that that's probably a great third point here, is look at the structure of your show from the get-go. If it is in the same style as a television show where it spends the first minute and a half doing like the intro and like having all the characters pop on screen and things like that, that is not going to hold people. What is going to hold people is again, the, the abbreviated law and order method that we're trying to do here now at Westport, which is tiny singer today on B2B business class, which is my show, by the way, today on B2B business class, we talk with uh, Hector and Hector is going to tell us about a B and C stay tuned. We're jumping into it. And a little, you know, B2B business class logo and we're out and Hey, welcome to B2B business class. I'm sitting down with Hector and here we go. And we're right in and we're into that within 10 or 15 seconds, all said and done. The hook has been in the first six though. I have kept people's attention and therefore I can drag them along for the ride further. I love that. I've noticed that some hosts, and, and I think the challenge was is originally, you know, Joe Rogan used to put his, before he hopped on the Spotify deal, he used to do his ads all at the beginning. And you'd be eight, nine, 10, 12 minutes into the, into the recording before you even got anything other than an ad. And I think it really, it really, um, I love him for, you know, as a, as an individual and a person and, and, and as what he's done for the podcast industry. But I also think that he has created a lot of bad habits in the industry because people go, well, this is what Joe Rogan does. Joe Rogan just, just puts his guest's name in the episode, you know, 
And so that's what I'm going to do. When, when you do that, I have no idea who your guest is. I have no idea what you're talking about. Your guest is not Russell Brandt or freaking, you know, the presidential candidate, you know, so, so we can't do things as if we're Joe Rogan. Right. And to follow up on that as something that really helps folks in niche spaces with their titles, uh, what we've been doing, especially in that higher education space, is we try to make sure that the first two to five words of the title are exactly what the episode is about. If it is content marketing, it says content marketing, colon, whatever quippy thing that says, you know, how Old Dominion University uh, is making their new beer. Or something like that, which, by the way, they are, which is a really cool thing. Um, <laughs> I wish my college had had a beer because, well, I mean, I went to University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Or shout out to Loyola Marymount University. We had a number of right of beers of our own. Yeah, see, right, that were branded from the university, right? So learning about that in a podcast format, rather than you know something that's some witty and clever title, but like content marketing or branding mark or brand marketing, making a beer for your university. That is so much more intentional and so much more hooking than something that is, again, trying to be funny, trying to be clever. And I see a lot of times, and I, I used to do this, if you look at my 3,000 episodes, I would say a good half of them or more were trying to be clever. We're trying to be clever with that title or or fun or, or witty or sexy or something like that. But honestly, we what we found is that when people are scrolling through their podcast feeds, they are looking for the, the topic that is going to hook them that matters to them. Yeah, this has been a, a really great conversation, Robin. And I think we we, we went all over the places that, that, that were necessary. But I'm wondering if there's anything that is still that you feel that is relevant to today that hasn't been said because there's all, I know I've got off recordings and like, damn, I wish I would have mentioned that. Or would I have a chance to mention that? Um, is there anything like that that you feel uh, you want to hit on before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, briefly. Uh, you know, back a couple, about a year or two ago, there was a lot of venture money out there in the world. And it feels like everybody started a podcast. Um, Ryan Sullivan, who I'm sure you probably follow on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I know he's had some tremendous success lately. He's been banging the drum that, you know, podcast launches are down. Uh, here. And part of that is because venture funding has dried up. You don't exactly start a business podcast without having uh, a lot of money sometimes in this case. But I would say it's probably even a better opportunity because those podcasts that are people just, you know, taking chunks of money because there's money is plentiful. Those particular podcasts are are all gone. And so I think there's a huge opportunity. And so many podcasts were started in lockdown and such. And, you know, everybody thought that they were a podcaster and every, you know, so, and I think to your point, people think that it's a, a bad thing that those launches have gone down or whatever, but just reiterating if, if as a listener, if you're not hearing that, like this is more opportunity for people who are willing to get in the ring. Right. And it's going to take the quality of the average show and boost it because the people who are passionate about this who have who have the willingness the know-how and the buckle down kind of like we're going to make a bunch of these you're going to see better content at the whole because ev everybody's not just out there being like well i'm bored it's the pandemic we're going to make a podcast and it's going to suck but we're making it because we're bored if <laughs> you will so i think uh much like i called 2023 the year of the podcast i think 2024 is a continuation of the year of the podcast and if your business is in a position to invest in that as a long-term strategy, you know, again, venture money is gone. But if you have marketing budget this year that you're looking to spend to build some of the deepest relationships for your organization that you will ever have, this is the time to invest in that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely not going away. And, and I can't think of a better way for, for brands to really businesses, especially ones in like B2B or ones that are, you know, kind of stuffy where there isn't usually no personality. I mean, it's, it's a great way to really bring that relationship to the community and all the thought leadership and all of the content and all, you know, all the reasons. So this has been, uh, been really, really great, Rob. If people want to get deeper in your world, they want to go kind of find out more about you. Where's the best place to go? Yeah, best place to go, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, pop me in there, Rob Conlon. And of course, Westport Rob usually brings me up as well. Uh, we can also visit us at westportstudiosllc.com, see some of our work. And of course, you know, I'm always into meeting new people, no matter what industry they're in, no matter what, if they're like podcast people or not podcast people, it doesn't matter. LinkedIn has kind of changed my life. And I truly feel that by reaching a hand downward and helping other people grow, that's been the best thing I've ever done. So LinkedIn, our website, or, you know, stop by my show, B2B Business Class. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Love it. We'll link all that stuff up in the show notes. Rob, thanks for for doing this and being such a, a great sport to a, a fellow competitor in the podcast space. I call you guys friend competitors for a reason. It, um, I think it's a, it's something that I, is, I don't know if it's unique to the podcasting space, but I'm appreciative of it that, you know, that there are so many people who, who have that similar kind of mindset. So if you made it this far with us, we appreciate you sticking around. We would uh, love and, and appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, specifically, we're trying to make a little push on Spotify. So if you happen to be listening to Spotify right now, there's a little button at the top with a star. We'd love for you to, to give us however many stars you think is appropriate. If you know somebody who's starting a show, thinking about starting one, send them this episode. I think this would be a really great introduction or give them some great perspectives on, on getting started. And then, uh, you know, go connect with Rob and I on LinkedIn. And, um, we'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.